What are the things they think about themselves? And probably, I never saw what they wrote down because it was private, but they probably wrote down grades, body size, image, Instagram likes, boys, like all that stuff that they probably wrote down that they were getting some of their approval from. And we threw the mirror in the fire, we watched it melt, and then my wife and I gave our daughters a new mirror, a new bronze mirror, and we had these five words written on them. And the whole idea of that was their identity is not tied to sports, it's not tied to grades, it's not tied to the job we talked about at the very beginning. It's not tied to any of those things. Welcome back to the Better Than Rich show. Corey Carlson is on the show today. You might know Corey. This is the book that I learned about Corey from, which is Win at Home First. And he also has the Win at Home podcast as well. Corey has helped hundreds of leaders rise and go. He has unbelievably vulnerable stories that he shares in the book. And we dove into several of those stories in this, in this episode. What I love about Corey is that not only is he willing to vulnerably share some of the things that most people will never talk about, they'll take to the grave, but he was willing to open up with them and share how he was able to turn these vulnerable, temptation, poor lack of judgment, he calls head trash type of moments and turning them into gifts for other people. I love those types of leaders. He hosts the Intentional Leaders Alliance for male executives. We talk a little bit about that at the end as well. He has two different books. The second book that he has is called Rise and Go, more so centered around resilience and hope. We spend most of our time on the win at home first concepts. We dive into how leaders have, how do the leaders have both success at home and at work. He's a very spiritual dude. So we get into a little bit the spiritual realm of life a little bit. I think you're going to enjoy this conversation. Really good dude with Corey Carlson. Again, win at home first. Get ready for another great conversation on the Better Than Rich Show. Welcome to the Better Than Rich Show with your hosts, Andrew Biggs and Mike Abramowitz. The Better Than Rich Show helps ambitious leaders who are on a mission to leave the world better than they found it, change their perspective on what's important, increase their income and impact, and systemize their life and business. If you've ever struggled with finding your purpose, have felt disconnected or distracted, or found yourself going through the motions, this show will remind you that what you do matters and will re-inspire you to chase your highest dreams. It's time for you to become better than rich. Welcome back to the Better Than Rich Show. I'm Mike Abramowitz. I'm here with Corey Carlson, and you might know Corey from one of his books. One of uh, the books that I recently got is Win at Home First, a really fantastic book. Uh, he also has his other book called Rise and Go. You may have read that book. You may have followed Corey on social, may have uh, attended one of his summits. And the guy's all over the place. But Corey, welcome to the Better Than Rich podcast. We're excited to have you here, man. Mike, thank you very much for the opportunity. And man, I've enjoyed talking to you before we hit record. So this will be fun. I try to pride myself on that as a host of a podcast, because one of the things that as being a guest on several shows, I have found that some of the hosts just are... They could use almost some coaching on how to host a podcast and set the stage and, and do it the right way. So I appreciate that. I fully received the compliment because it's almost come from growing pains being on the receiving end of, of being a guest. But Corey, here's the deal. I want to dive right in because I find your the content in your book fascinating. I know we are mutually connected with the Podcast Accelerated Program with, with Dustin, and it's a great group. So when I heard from another member in the group say, your book really changed his life and in home and with his marriage and parenting. I was like, I'm a family man with a business. I'm a front row dad. I pride myself in knowing how to lead a household. 
And there were some things in your book that not, not only I've never heard before, but there were some vulnerable shares in there that I was like, wow, Corey, you really laid it all out there. And while I have you here, I would love to peel back some of those. So is there anything that's, hey, just don't talk about that thing? Or can I go anywhere that, of things that you put in the book? Is that all right? Absolutely. Thanks for asking, but it's out there. That's part of my story. And I want to share it because I don't want any other leader to lose at home or lose at work. So we're going to go there first because we could talk about business and we're going to talk about business. You are a professional. You have massive amounts of success, which we'll talk about. But the piece that I want to start with that I think a lot of people can relate to is temptation. And sometimes temptation can get the best of us. And it seems like from a section of your book, that temptation and adultery made its way into your life being a family man. And that was reading some of that. I was like, wow, this is really courageous for you to share. I would love for you to take our listeners through that season of number one, why did you choose to put that in your book and share it with the public about adultery? And number two is just taking us through that season of what had led to some of those decisions for you to have an affair. There's many people that contemplate it, but sometimes don't act. There's many people who do act on it, but they leave it inside as a secret and they take it to their grave. But you chose to not only share it in your book, but also help others. I'd love for you to unpack that just a smidge. Oh, man, I appreciate that, Mike, to have a podcast that goes deep, right? No need having something at surface level. Let's just dive right in. It's good. And I love that. Well, I want to make sure I say a few different things. And so this won't necessarily be in the right order of how I guess I want to share, but we'll just start going for it. The story itself is I, in fact, did have an affair early on in my marriage, and then I came clean of it a few years later. And I can talk about all the things in, in that process, but to hit on a few of them and just to help listeners to be the watch out that it could be for an affair, whether it is just emotional or it becomes physical, either way is not good at all. And one piece of it is the why did I have an affair? What I was doing at that time was I was taking my identity to work. And I did not know that was a bad thing. I, and I just, I was just caught up in the, I want to make as much money as possible. I want to be successful with this company. And at the time, I'm a civil engineer by degree, and I was at an engineering company working there. And I just wasn't getting the job satisfaction I wanted. And they were doing all they could do to help me. They were putting me in leadership programs. I remember I was in my 20s and everyone else was in their 30s and 40s. And they're putting me into these groups to say, hey, we want to invest in you, Corey. And so I would go to those meetings. I was getting the opportunities, but it wasn't enough. I was taking my identity of who I was as a man. I was taking my value. I was taking my worth. I was taking that to my job to get satisfaction. And some days it'd feel great. It's amazing. Other days, which most days, it wasn't fulfilling. So then what I did, and so I'll just right there, that's a watch out for any listener. If we're taking our identity, who we are, our value and our worth to how many social media followers we have, is this year's revenue greater than last year's revenue? Any of those pieces, it's dangerous. It's slippery. And that was my first mistake is I was taking my identity to my job. Then second is when that wasn't working, that wasn't fulfilling. I thought, you know what? I'll take my identity to my wife. Maybe the way she responds to me and maybe when I walk in through the front door, does she think, oh, you're amazing. Let me hug you. And does she celebrate everything about me? That's unfair. 
because another human can't provide the identity and value to another human. Everyone's broken in the whole situation <laughs> because my wife would have her bad days. I'd have my bad days. We'd have miscommunication. And so when I was taking my identity to my wife and that was unsuccessful, then I was like, I got another idea. Maybe I'll take it to uh, another woman, which was obviously the wrong answer and don't do that. But that's what happened was I was taking my identity to other things trying to get my value, my worth, and I ended up having an affair, which obviously was awful. And the good news is my wife and I, we're still married. We've been married 24 years. And it's part of our story, our journey, and, and sharing it with others as appropriate and, and trying to help. So that's a little bit of why it happened in the danger zone of it. And so for anyone working, I know everyone listening is a business owner, just be careful where you're taking your identity because it can make you feel incomplete. And just to echo that, I really appreciate you sharing that because it's not just about the affair. It's not just about the decision of pursuit. That's why that under umbrella of temptation, it's like the quick dopamine hits that are all around us with social media or just in anything, eating the chocolate bar or pursuing the opposite sex. We've had many conversations on the show just around this concept specifically, Ian Cognac's episode was a really great one. But for you to be vulnerable enough to share it publicly is like that next piece where married 24 years, I don't want to assume, but there's got to be a little residue of a sting each time it's maybe potentially talked about, maybe not. But like, why share it? Why bring that to the public eye? I'm a stranger. But to bring something so personal to the public, I know why I bring my stuff to the public. I air my dirty laundry out for everyone to say, but I'd love to hear why you did. Yeah, the reason I did is it was go to the setting of the evening when this took place. I lived in Denver. I had been promoted. We moved to Denver and we're at Denver and my wife's kind of like, hey, we need to start going to church again and getting involved. And I was like, I don't want to go, man. I got a skeleton in my closet. I, I don't want to do that. But I said, I'll go. And it was really cool because I'm strong in my faith. And I don't know if all the listeners are. But for me, I was like, man, God just started putting people in my life that were just like sharing all kind of life experiences. It wasn't just surface level discussions about sports and weather, but I started then get surrounded by just people talking about maybe challenges they're having in their marriage or they're getting burned out at work or maybe someone saying that they were having challenges with porn. Whatever it was, it was all there. And in that, God was using those conversations to soften my heart, to realize that I would not be defined by my past, that even though I made a stupid mistake, that God's not done with me yet. He can still use me to go do greater things. And so things were starting to happen. I didn't know it, but it was internally happening. And then this one particular night, I'm in Denver, and the pastor of this church has basically about 10 volunteers in the room. And we're learning about just leadership and the talks on character to basically, hey, volunteers don't go screw up. I'm taking notes. I love that pastor. And he was amazing. I was taking all kinds of notes. And all of a sudden, out of left field, I just heard this audible. I don't know. It wasn't necessarily audible for the room to hear, but just I heard something. And it was like, you need to come clean of your affair. And, I, and in my mind, I'm like, no, I don't. No, that's a dumb idea. I just got promoted, making the most money I'd ever made. And now we have kid. And it just was like, no, that's a bad idea. So I'm having this wrestling match with God. And then all of a sudden I get this phrase, you need to hand over your story for a greater story. And I did not know what that meant at that time. 
but I just was like, oh, okay. And so I just got a little bit open to the idea of, I guess maybe I do need to come clean up my fair Hanover story for a greater story. And I had no idea what the consequences would be. I had no idea what it all looked like, but I was coming to this realization that maybe I should. As I'm driving home that night, I'm still trying to do negotiations with God of, hey, I'll donate more money. I'll volunteer more hours. I'll just kind of do something. And, and I had this one last kind of thought of, hey, how about this, God? If she's awake when I come in to the house, I'll tell her. And if not, then, no, you had your chance. I won't tell her. I came in, she's asleep. And I was like, sweet. So I didn't tell her. The next day, it was on my mind. I did what I'd done in the past, where if I had something on my mind, I would hop in my email inbox and just start working to forget about it. Or I'd go for a run to forget about it. I do these different things and just shove it down there more. But later that day, I was like, I got to come clean. And so I did. And it was not cupcakes and balloons in our house. It was awful. And yeah, just it was awful. Door slamming and all kinds of stuff, and which it should have been. Anyways, we went through and counseling and community and through the process, we got restored individually as well as as a couple. And we just grew closer in our faith and, and so good stuff. That's a longer story. You know, get the listeners to why did I decide to share it is because one, I felt it was being obedient to what God called me to that night. I need to hand over my story for a greater story. So I need to share my dirty laundry so that others don't make mistakes like this. And as we are all hustling and we're trying to grow our businesses and we're trying to pull in as much revenue as possible, I don't want us doing it at the expenses of our marriages or relationships with our kids or at the relationships with our health. Where I'm at now, Mike, is I totally believe I've seen in my own life, I've seen in others' lives, is we can have success in the boardroom and in the living room. It's not an either or. I think a lot of us, unfortunately, have had bosses over the time where we just thought, hey, if I'm going to get promoted, I got to say no to my family. I got to say no to even quiet personal quiet time or getting to the gym or using my PTO. And so I'm out there to try to help business leaders win at work and win at home because it can, in fact, happen. And it's cool. It's cool to see when people make changes. Mike, I, in my life, I've had 18 different bosses and one family. And when we all think about that in our own lives is how many times, like I don't even know if all those 18 are alive or where they live, but I was making decisions to appease them and ignoring my family. That there's a way we can do both. That's why I ended up, that's why I share it. I appreciate that, Corey. And uh, I'm sure listeners could appreciate that too, because again, many people will keep this to themselves. To, to add to one layer of curiosity to this is you said you worked on you and she worked on her individually, and then you came together to say, let's work this out. What was some of that work individually that you went through to just rework and turn what could have been the demise of a relationship into salvaging the relationship and also then helping other people? through the other end of this. What was some of that work? Yeah, from an individual standpoint, there were things I had to work on on the inside. I had to just grow in my faith and it came to reading more scripture and more prayer and more journaling and really just scrubbing what was going on and realizing, hey, I'm taking my identity to my work or I am more about me and not paying attention to other things. And so that was a piece of it, Mike, where I was spending more time in Matthew 6, 33, seek first the kingdom and all the rest will be unto you. I was putting my spiritual capital first. But then there are other things I had to do. Like I would put my phone always up. My phone is always up to this day. Like when it's on a counter, 
when it is anywhere in the house, my phone's up. Because I want my wife to know that I'm not worried about getting any text that's going to be suspect. So I had to start just doing things of trust. My yes had to be yes. So if I said I was going to be home at six, I was home at six. If I said I was going to go do pick up this grocery or something while I was out and about, I had to pick up that grocery because I had to work to build the trust back in the relationship. And so my yes had to be yes so that my wife could count on me for the things I said I was going to do and that she could trust me with the marriage again. Well, she can trust me when I travel. She could trust me when I was you know, doing whatever because I was honoring my word. I think she knows every single password, not that she's ever looked, but she knows the password to a lot of my things. Basically, I just had a an open door policy to everything. I think this is my last question and we could pivot. Do you feel like that puts you as the man, as the patriarch of the home on a defense at all? Like if someone's listening to this and says, shit, that means I'm spending the rest of my days on defense in my relationship and also as my home. If that's the case, potentially, again, I don't want to put words in it or make it assumptions. How do we flip that and take on this more patriarchal follow me? Is there a shift where that happens? If someone's listening and says, all right, Corey, I'm going to muster up the courage and I'm going to open up and tell my wife about blank porn addiction, drug addiction, some sort of addiction, some sort of mess up. And now I got to go on defense to her wrath of her rightful wrath of how disappointed and frustrated she's going to be with me and with me in the relationship. If we're going to work this out, I need to over deliver trust. And therefore, I'm reactionary to not on walking on eggshells, but something in that vein to where does that is there a compromise to living as the rock? The family doesn't need that patriarch. Maybe there's something there. I love this question. I think it's a wise question that you're asking. I think that's it's pretty darn cool. And I believe there's a defense, but there's an offense in all of this. 100%. If someone decides to come clean, and there's probably more to it before you go come clean out this podcast. Make sure you, I don't know, I don't know if I want to advise any of that. Actually, I do, but just make sure you got community around, make sure you're well armored to do it. But here's the deal. I think you play defense if you still are hovering in guilt, Holly forgave me before I forgave myself. And I'm so grateful for that. And that's just a cool story. She forgave me before when I told her she just had some a peace come over her that it's going to be okay. And so thank you. I'm just grateful to the Lord that that happened. But she forgave me before I forgave myself. So some of the stuff, Mike, I was doing for sure was going to be out of defense, like almost like at her mercy, like all the time. And I think that that will come from a position of guilt and shame. Once that I finally came to grips that you're right, I need to forgive myself. I have been forgiven by my wife. I've been forgiven by God. Like it's a go forward now. And I think that's true of any single listener of whatever the sin is or the regret is. It could be affair. It could be not doing well in business or you terminated someone you wish you didn't handle it that certain way. Or you wish you would have written a book, but you haven't written a book yet. I think so many of us are carrying baggage around everywhere we go, almost like a head trash. And so for me, when I came to the grips that I need to release this, like I've been forgiven, I need to release it. So now I don't walk around carrying this all this head trash that I had an affair. So now I'm on the offense or have been on the offense for numerous years, but now I lead my family with, from a position of vulnerability. Hey, this is what I've shared. All My three kids know about the introduction to the book. 
And I want my kids to know. Why I want my kids to know for a couple of reasons. One, they're going to have some tendencies like me. Part of why I did all this was fear. I wanted the approval of others because I didn't understand that I was already approved by being a beloved son. I was looking for others for approval. So instead of operating from a place of approval, I was looking for approval. And so I've learned that. And so I want my kids to know that so that they don't take their identity to their job, to their sports, to their academics, to their social media following. That's why we've shared it with our kids for one, so they don't mess up like I did and take their identity as something else. Number two, if they were to ever make any kind of mistake, big or small, they're not defined by it. And God is not done with it. And it was going to use them for much, much more going forward. And so that's allowed for great conversations, allowing me to be on the offense and the leadership at home and what we're talking about, the conversations we're having. So I do still show my phone up all the time, as I mentioned, but it's just because, hey, it's all good, man. I'm clean. Mm -hmm. And now I can lead from a position of offense. Yeah, I appreciate that response. There's two things I want to go that you mentioned the head trash. I really like that chapter of the book. So I'd like to have you riff on that. And I really love what you said about the from verse four for approval. And I want you to you know riff on those because those are two pieces. So we'll start with the head trash. I read a great book, Positive Intelligence by Shermaj Shermazi, I think as you say his name, but he calls them saboteurs that head trash, the saboteurs versus the sage. And I studied this book for a better part of a year and really just dug into labeling those inner voices in my head. For those of you that have been following the show for a while, from the beginning, I have several episodes about shithead versus the indulger versus wimpy versus the truth. These are voices in my head and I've labeled those voices so that way I can know which saboteur it is that's like trying to take control of the seat of the bus. Who's driving the bus? Oh, it's Wimpy driving the bus. Cool. Wimpy, you've served me, but right now you got to get in the back. I need the truth to be driving this one, or I need the indulger to step up and drive the bus right now. Like we need to get something across the finish line. But this head trash concept is really, I feel like aligns with this, these voices, the saboteurs. Could you speak to your take on that? I really like that chapter. I think it was chapter 11, maybe. I really enjoyed that chapter. I folded that because you talked a little bit about before this was like the temptations, but then what is your head trash and and gave a couple of perfect personal examples here, uh, a couple of really good questions in here, but you wrote the book a while ago. So why don't you speak to it? What shows up? What's relevant right now for you? Why you bring up head trash? Yeah. For sure. And Mike, I just, I appreciate that you read the book and you showed me some dog-eared or bookmarked pages. I think that's just so cool. So I I love that. And for all the listeners, I would love to give a free book to to anyone who wants. You just pay shipping and handling. It's coreymcarlson.com forward slash free book. You just go to that landing page, pick which book you want, went home first, which is the one we've been talking about. Rise and Go is the second one. And the idea of the second book is all leaders get knocked down. It's just the great leaders get back up quicker. So what could it look like in your life if you were able to get back up quicker the next time you're knocked down? And so those are the two books, Went Home First, Rise and Go. You can go to that website, that landing page to uh, get a free book, coreymcarlson.com forward slash free book. We will put that in the show notes for sure. And thank you for that because I bought mine on Amazon. So I wish I knew about the free book offer. So awesome. (laughs) And... Basically, head trash is we all have head trash, whether it's something somebody said to us over the years. You know, I think an example I've got in there is my high school counselor said I wasn't smart enough to be a civil engineer. I think she had good intentions, 
She just was giving me a watch out. Hey, based on your grades, your ACT score, maybe you shouldn't do civil engineering. I think her heart was in a good place. However, the devil would just use it against me all the time. Hey, you're not smart enough. Your counselor even said you're not smart enough to be a civil engineer. Sometimes I could be motivated with a chip on my shoulder and went and got my civil engineering degree. But there were other times I would feel insecure. We have head trash that either someone has said to us, a parent, a counselor, a friend who's not a very good friend. (laughs) But sometimes it's even just our own junk that we're telling ourselves, I'm not as good as that person on LinkedIn. I'm not as good as that podcast host. I've not sold as many books as that individual. And so we just let this head trash just build up. And what I have found, and I still have head trash. I'm still human. I still have those days of feeling inadequate and I'm not enough. But for me, what I've done that has been very helpful is I will list out my head trash. Matter of fact, here's a document right here on the side of my desk where it is a bunch of my head trash that I will have. And I then will have sentences, like I am statements, to squash it. An example here is I compare myself to other people. I'm frustrated. It seems like it's easier for others than it is for me. And so I've rewritten it and say, I am more than a conqueror and I've overcome bigger setbacks and grown the business from zero to what it is now. And we're growing it and making things happen. And so for that listener is whatever the head trash is, those kind of just loops that just keep playing in your brain, write them down, be aware of them, call them out, and then write out something to offset it that gives you, they're not lies, they're truths that of who you are to step into it. So we all have head trash and we've got to acknowledge it and then figure out the things that combat it. Yeah. And that's a perfect transition because I want to hit on the for and from, but that will be the transition to business because you have a lot of business success. But for those of us that are in the business, how many times do we have an exchange with someone on our team or with a potential prospect or a current client, or there's some person that we're having this conversation with. And in the back of our mind, there's another story being told. And for them, we need to deliver for them. We need to show up for them. But if we're playing scared or playing insecure or projecting this insecurity onto them, it's like this false belief system. So if we don't do that work that Corey is talking about behind the scenes, the journaling, the self-reflection, We're going to be projecting that head trash onto other people. And that's not fair to the talent, to the prospects. It's not fair to your business partners. It's not fair to your clients, your students, whatever type of business or industry you're in. And sometimes they get on the receiving end of some of that stuff. So I really love that you not only shared what the head trash is, but hey, here's a possible tool. Add this tool to your toolbox, list them out, write I am statements, write some affirmations, say that stuff out loud, remind yourself of that all the time, that you're capable So you're not just like vomiting that stuff onto other people and making your head trash, their head trash. And Corey, if there's something else you want to add to that, please do. And if not, I would love for you to transition into that from versus for, because that was the from a place of approval instead of for approval. And then we're going to circle back to some of the business stuff, please. Yeah, I think just to talk on that head trash one last time, you made the comments, hey, we can project on other people. Absolutely agree. We can project what somebody said to us and and can't have a negative encounter for sure. So I believe and agree with you, the law of the mirror and that projection is going to take place. But the other thing I think can happen is we play smaller. So in my life, I've got some head trash that maybe I've been told I'm too aggressive or I'm too salesy. And it hasn't happened that many times. Matter of fact, I hired a mindset coach. You probably even know her, Cassie. And 
she was awesome. She was fantastic. And one of the pieces she called me out, I was like, how many times have you been been told you're aggressive? Uh, Really not that much, but no, how many? And I actually had to call out and write down the people that said it. And it's amazing how my mind has exaggerated the times I've been called aggressive or salesy. It's really not that much. It's single digits, but my mind is exaggerated. But the point of this, Mike, is if I am on a sales call or maybe I'm in front of an audience and all of a sudden I can hear that head trash of you're too aggressive, play smaller. Maybe I don't give the sales pitch. Maybe I don't do it with the confidence that I want. Maybe I start to lose some of my enthusiasm because of that head trash. So we all have it and it's going to have a different response. Maybe we play smaller. Maybe we project onto the other person. But regardless, it's something we've got to take care of. I love that, by the way. I'm glad you said that because it's true. Playing smaller is still there's consequences to that, whether you're projecting it onto them or you're keeping it in yourself and playing small. There's still consequences, whether you see them right now or you'll see them later. I hope, listener, you take something from that. If there's something going on behind the scenes for you, maybe there's something that you just need to write down, get out. Don't keep it inside. Don't play small just because of a potential limitation that maybe is even not the truth. And Maybe there's a little bit of a truth there. Great. Hey, that's a blind spot. That's a gift that you got. So I'd say, Mike, you made the comment of, hey, if there is something, I want to encourage every listener, there is something. There, All of us are carrying head trash. Every single one of us is. And I remember when I first started coaching, I'd get nervous of who's going to be on the other side of that Zoom call, like who I'm going to be coaching and the size of company they ran or whatever. And I just would get nervous before I would coach them. But once I started coaching individuals, you realize everyone is broken. Everyone has their head trash. Everyone has their insecurities. Are they doing enough as a spouse? Are they doing enough as a parent? Are they doing enough leading their team? Do they have the right strategy going into the next quarter? They all show up that way. And it has to do with just this head trash, these insecurities. And as I've worked with all my different clients, it's like, hey, let's identify what it is. And then press on. So everyone has something. And yeah, I encourage you to write it down. That's great. I appreciate that, Corey. Let's sit on this last piece and then let's jam business before we uh, hit to our three questions. You said from approval versus for approval. I've never heard that before. And the context in the book, and you just mentioned in our conversation right now, and I folded this page, it was 141. I really loved it. My wife and I wanted to plant our stake in the ground. We wanted to affirm our daughter who she is. And we wanted to find her identity and whether it's social media likes or if a boy asks her phone number, best answer in the studio, we wanted her to know she is living from a place of approval instead of for approval. What does that mean from a parenting lens? Because I was honestly sat and I read that sentence like uh, probably five or six times. I'm like, what the hell does that mean to me? And I got a little stuck. So from a place of approval, and I assume this is a spiritual place, from a place of approval in a spiritual realm, instead of for approval from our peers. That's what I gathered for myself, but I would love for you to riff on that for a minute. Yeah, that's right. That part of the book, just to give a leave in a little context for it, is that is what we did an identity ceremony for each of our daughters. And I will do one for my son. The cool part, it was a success. I put it in the book and people have used it. People have stolen, not stolen. It's not a steal. They've done the exact same thing and sent me pictures or sent, I've gotten emails. I got LinkedIn messages that we did the identity ceremony and it was powerful. And 
Amen. Hallelujah. That's why I put in the book. I want more people doing it and just give us some more story on it. When our daughters, you know, you do this at any age, 13, 15, 16. But we know that there's been like the, the back in the MTV days. Remember, they used to have the sweet 16 or those crazy 16 year old parties or whatever. Yeah. And when you look for identity ceremonies, there's stuff from a dad to a son. There's things from a mother to a daughter, but I didn't see anything from a dad to a daughter. And I wanted to be involved in it. I didn't want to just pass the buck and say, hey, babe, you take care of this. I want to be involved in it because there's power when a daughter hears love and affirmations from her earthly father. And so I want to be a part of it. So what we did is we put together our own identity ceremony, came up with five words that we felt we were to affirm in her of her character. And you can read about it in the book. And But basically what we did is we had friends write letters. We assigned one of those five words to each, to, to some different friends. They wrote letters. We gave her, we put them all in a cool book. And then we gave them a bronze mirror. This is based off Exodus 38.8, where the women had to hand over their bronze mirror so that they could be melted for the wash basins of the tabernacle. And so we had our daughters, we did this one at a time when they were the appropriate age. We didn't do it the same night, but we had them write down all their image things. What, what are the things they think about themselves? And probably I never saw what they wrote down because it was private, but they probably wrote down grades, body size, image, Instagram likes, boys, like all that stuff that they probably wrote down that they were getting some of their approval from. And we threw the mirror in the fire. We watched it melt. And then my wife and I gave our daughters a new mirror, a new bronze mirror. And we had these five words written on there. And the whole idea of that was their identity is not tied to sports. It's not tied to grades. It's not tied to the job we talked about at the very beginning. It's not tied to any of those things. That's how you live out who you are. You're a gymnast, or you're a dancer, or you're a soccer player, or you're an entrepreneur, or you're a business owner. Those are ways of how you live it out. Who you are is you're a beloved son or your beloved daughter of God. You work from that approval. So when I go into a room, I'm working from that place of approval. I know that I'm already a beloved son and I don't need everyone else's approval. And for me, that's just awesome and free. Because one, I'm not going to get everyone's approval because not everyone's going to like me or my style. But also, that's an endless chase. And what's cool about that, Mike, is we, so we did that for our daughter, both daughters. Our middle child, so our second daughter, was a competitive gymnast. She made it all the way to, she's making it to level nine. If anyone knows anything about gymnastics, basically there's 10 levels and then you go to college and do gymnastics. And so she made it to nine and she took a nasty fall off the high bar and broke her ankle shattered her knee, hurt her hip, bad, it's just bad stuff. She was out for nine months and eventually ends up retiring from the sport. But I am so grateful that from a young age, that we were always complimenting her on her character and not her competency, that we were affirming her identity as being a beloved daughter, not being a gymnast. Because when she lost gymnastics, she didn't lose who she was. It didn't mess with her. Just like for, there's many business leaders where if they're taking their identity to their corner office and their cool, fancy job title and how much money they make, if something goes astray, that's usually when bad stuff happens. They go buy the sports car, they go off with a mistress, they do bad things. So when we're taking our value, our worth to a thing or to kind of what we do and looking for approval there, 
That's a miss. This is great, Corey. So one last piece and then we'll start. I'm sure people are going to want to stay in touch with you. So I want them to be able to know how to catch you. And I have three questions that we ask every guest. I want to hear from you more on this business side because you spoke to companies from the Chick-fil-A's and Livewell Capital, Northwestern Mutual. You've been featured in Forbes and Faith Driven Entrepreneur, Ocean. Lots of credibility. You got these two great books out there. I would be curious if you're having a coaching conversation with a CEO type or an entrepreneur, small, medium-sized company, maybe it's an executive, and this person has coming to you and saying, I have a tough time letting go of control because I can do it better than anyone else in my organization. What is the coaching and the paradigm that you're going to take this person through on how might they see the benefits of letting go of control so that way other members of their team or leveraging technology, because that's a lot of what we talk about at Better Than Rich is leveraging team and tech to have more time freedom so you can reinvest that time to what matters most to you, which is hence better than rich. We don't want you to just be rich with money. We want you to be better than that. How would you coach this executive, this entrepreneur type that has a tough time letting go of control of items in their business? Yeah, it's a great question. And if I had more context, I could take this a couple different areas of why the value of letting go is. But what I'll say right now, based on just that little bit you shared is, I would share with them that they're the lid to the organization. If they're not going to delegate anymore, that's it. (laughs) That's all you can do because there's no more hours in the day because you're already busy. And if you're not delegating and releasing, then this is it. This is the lid to the organization. Warren Buffett has a quote that says, oh, great leaders create organ- build organizations that are not dependent on themselves. So the more things you're holding on to, the more the organization is dependent on you, which limits its potential and where it can go. The other item I talk with a lot of clients about is don't play below your pay grade and helping them understand like whatever your salary is, and how many hours you work, just for simple numbers here, if you make $100 an hour, are you pleased that you're doing some tasks that someone in the organization who makes $75 or $50 is doing? That's not stewarding the money very well. Or you can even outsource it, take it outside the company. Let's have someone else go do this. Have a VA or some other entity do the work for you. But really helping leaders see that don't play below your pay grade. Things that you do not add a unique value to, get rid of it. Because the more things that are called a commodity part of your job that you're not adding any secret sauce to it, get rid of it, delegate it, equip and empower those below you because some of them actually would love doing it or maybe better at it than you. And then that allows you to free up time to what is that unique benefit you bring to the company. If you're president of sales, then now it allows you to go out and work on partnerships and work on collaborations. If you're the CFO and you're delegating more down to your team, now that allows you to think strategically. Great CFOs look around the corner and they can see what we need to do financially. So the value in delegating is it frees you up to do what you are best at and what you are uniquely and wonderfully made to do for your company. Excellent response. I, I, I'm really glad that you said the time 
audit because that's something that we teach. And it's so critical. It's if you're worth one or two or $300 an hour, but you're stuck doing $25 an hour tasks. That's why I love Dan Martell, buy back your time. He says 80% done by somebody else is 100% awesome. Uh, so it's like, how do you offload these tasks and, uh, and buy back that time? So Corey, we like to ask every guest three questions and they could be short hitting what top of mind, whatever shows up for you. The first question that we ask is, what do you think the world needs most today? Oh, man. That's a good question. It's love. I think we just need to love more, which is an act. Love our spouses more. How can we serve them? Love our kids more. How can we spend time with them and have grace for them and not be maybe hard on them? Love our employees. Love our customers. Just more love with the agape love where it's action. Great. Second question is, what are one to three books that you think people should read? Obviously, we already referenced the two of yours that the listener can get for free. Outside of those two, what one to three books would you th- do you think people should read? I've got to say one because you and I, it's on your bookshelf and it's on mine. Road Less Stupid is right next to me. It's fantastic. Great book. I see you read it too. Another book I love, it's, we talked a lot about mindset. So Mind Shift, Erwin McManus. Mm-hmm. I think this is a fantastic book. And then for anyone who's looking to maybe improve or increase their spiritual capital in their life, I start my mornings with a devotion that's the Word Before Work by Jordan Rayner. So it's a daily devotion. I find that to be helpful. There's business books, there's personal books, and there's a spiritual book there. Great. Thank you. Two, two new ones for the listeners. So we'll add that to our list. So thank you for that. The third question is, what does it mean to you to be better than rich? When I think of rich, I think of money. When I think better than rich, I think of wealth and all the different capitals of life. We talk about the five capitals in our coaching program, the spiritual capital. To me, when I don't have spiritual capital, I'm wandering. I'm aimless. But when I am spending time in spiritual capital, then, man, I just, I'm in a better place. I've got peace. I'm living into my calling. Relational capital would be the next one where strong marriage and kids relationship and friends. There's a lot of listeners who may not have friends right now. And that was me. (laughs) That was me seven years ago, eight years ago. I was president of sales of a national company. I was traveling every week. And so during the week I'd go out and I'm trying to be super employee. I'd come home and be super husband and super dad on the weekends. And it came to this point where I realized I really had no friends of depth. And so I worked on it and I did a speed dating where I went and met with some different guys. And if they only talk sports and weather, I was like, ah, I'll see him maybe once a quarter. But for those guys that want to talk about the ups and downs of life and sports and weather, great. I want more of that. So I put together a group of guys. We get together every Thursday morning. Then we do an annual trip to Florida. And so relational capital is big. So if you're that listener and you're low on friends, that's okay. Just go find some. Work on it. So anyway, that's how I'd say better than rich is to basically have those other capitals thriving. That's great. I'm glad you said that. I actually started my own tribe, Healthy CEO Dads, not like a paid mastermind. It's just a group. And then I joined Front Row Dads when I became a dad. And that's been like my tribe and community. We've had many uh, Front Row Dads on the podcast. What I want to have you uh, share with our listeners, I'm sure some of them want to stay in touch because you have the Intentional Leader Alliance, which is essentially a great group for these men, which is awesome. I'd love for you to pitch, just pitch that a little bit or riff on that just a smidge, just in case we have a guy who's listening and wants to learn more about Intentional Leader Alliance. And then, of course, if there's other ways for people to stay in touch with you, I know you're doing a lot of speaking specifically on a lot of these different topics and 
talk about whole self or employees and whatnot. So how can people stay in touch with you? What are some things that you're offering? What are some things you could say about that? Oh, man, cool. Thanks. And thanks for the opportunity to talk. Yeah, the Intentional Leader Alliance, basically, this will be getting ready to launch our third cohort of it, where helping men just activate them to be better leaders at home and work. And so on the different calls that we have, I'm basically I'm curating leadership content that's helpful to the leaders that I find in my one-on-one coaching that's helpful to them. So I bring it to this mastermind. And so I'm bringing content, coaching, and community. And we're talking home and work and really just pushing the guys to be more intentional. There is not a lack of information in this world. There's tons of podcasts, tons of books. We've talked about a bunch of them already. What there is a lack of is implementation. Is people actually grabbing something and going for it. I love the quote that a inch of action is longer than a mile of intention. And so it's really just helping leaders to actually be intentional in all areas of their life, to actually get moving. So that's what we do in the Intentional Leader Alliance. It's awesome. I've got one cohort going into its fourth year. We've got others that are different stages. So we're having success seeing guys' lives change. One wife said that he's a better man because he's in it. So it's like, amen, that's good stuff. And then, yeah, my website, coreymcarlson.com. And we can talk about coaching or speaking. From a speaking standpoint, there are companies that are starting to realize we can't just have more, go sell more presentations or go do more presentations. The companies, I think that'll be sustainable as time goes on are those that invest in the whole self, those that equipped their employees to win at home and win at work. It's no longer just leave your personal life at the front door. The personal life is in the building because of smartwatches, because of smartphones, because of working from home, work and home are more integrated now than ever. And a lot of people don't know how the heck to go about doing it. So we are equipping leaders to have success at both places. Well, listener, we'll put that in the show notes, but CoreyMCarlson.com. And uh, you could even go to CoreyMCarlson.com. That's C-O-R-Y-M-C-A-R-L-S-O-N. We'll put it in the show notes as well. And also CoreyMCarlson.com slash free book. And he'll hook you up with one of his books as well. And uh, listener, also, if you want some of that time freedom or want some extra support from us at Better Than Rich, uh, you can book up a free call with us, va.betterthanrich.com. We can talk about getting you uh, AI-informed virtual assistant team just to help you win back some of your time as well. And as always, we're here to support you in any way possible. If you're watching us on YouTube, thank you. If you're listening to us on Spotify or Apple, there's some extra extra clips and items that we add on YouTube. So you can feel free to make your way over there. But as always, without you, we can't do this. So remember, leave today better than you found it. Until next time, we'll see you then. Take care, everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and you'd like to help support the show, please share it with others, post about it on social media, or leave a rating and review. To catch all the latest from us, you can follow us on Instagram at better than underscore rich and join our Facebook group at the better than rich show. Thanks again for listening. We look forward to seeing you next time. And remember, leave today better than you found it.